0: Hello and welcome to Episode 78, The Science of Meditation. It's been said that meditation can introduce you to yourself, and we also gain access to our own powerful inner resources for awareness, transformation, and healing. The content of today's podcast has been chosen from the questions that I've been getting through our audience and our community members. So in today's podcast, I'd like to discuss the different types of meditation, meditation and stress reduction, as well as what science has to say about meditation. According to data from the 2017 National Health Interview Survey, released in November of 2018, the number of American adults and children using yoga and meditation showed a significant increase over previous years. Specifically, they found that United States adults use meditation or their use of meditation in the past 12 months tripled between 2012 and 2014, going from 4.1% to 14.2%. And the use of meditation among children in the United States, and children were defined as age four to 17, also increased significantly from 0.6% in 2012 to 5.4% in 2017. So it is becoming, it, it is building momentum and becoming more mainstream. I remember when I started in 2005, teaching healthcare practitioners, I had called several places and they actually did not even want to discuss. They used to say the M word and they didn't want to hear the word meditation. So it's improving and that's a good sign. So what is meditation? You know, there are many definitions, but here's one that Western science, the Western science model uses, and it's according to what I have gotten from the National Health Interview Survey. How are they really defining meditation? And what they say is meditation is a mind and body practice that has a long history for use in increasing calmness and physical relaxation, improving psychological balance, coping with illness, and enhancing overall health and well being. Meditation is a mind body practice focusing on the interactions among the brain, mind, body, and behavior. And this definition does indeed, in my opinion here, focuses on what meditation does, but it doesn't really say what meditation is all about. And I'd like to add to this and say that meditation is a tool to help train the energy field of the mind, because think of the mind as energy, so that the mind's energy becomes clear and one-pointed. And it's a technique that allows the practitioner, that the person who's participating in it, to attend to the workings of the mind. In other words, train their awareness of the mind's energy. And that's why I teach the tools for a person to focus their awareness. Because by focusing your awareness, you're focusing. Some people use the word attention. I like to use the word awareness because it's more universal. It's more encompassing of really what the mind field is about, awareness. But you focus that awareness, or if you like the word attention, we can say that we gain access to the inner dimensions of our reality. In other words, we find out who we are. And the only way you can really see that, it's not me talking about it intellectually, it's really to experience it and feel it for yourself. Many ask me, what type of meditation do I teach? And before even starting out on that, I always say, I don't teach meditation. I give the practitioner or the student the tools in which they can develop their own practice. And I have pondered this and I've come up first with what what is meditation and how do we train our mind utilizing the practice of meditation. So I'll bring another definition into this so that it can really show what meditation is and then how we approach it. Meditation is that which allows you to attend to the mind, and I've mentioned that. And we utilize the skill and the skills that are gained through certain practices, head, neck, and trunk align. We train the breath. We train the relaxation response. We train the focus, and we train the awareness. So what we do is We utilize the skill or the tools to gain mastery over the roaming tendencies of the mind so that we can gain access to what lies behind the mind or beyond, I should say, not the word behind, what lies beyond the mind. There are two common types of meditation included. One is focused attention. I like to use ours focused awareness, including mantra and metta. And then there's open monitoring meditation, including Zen and Vipassana. And the current mindfulness practices that we see and people are practicing fall into this category where you're trained to be attentive to your sensory mind and in more advanced practices, the other functions of mind. Both types have been shown to enhance attention control, emotion regulation, self-awareness, and improve cognitive control during any kind of perceived stressor. Because the whole idea, and you've heard me say over the past several months, we want to train the mind. We operate from the top down, from the frontal cortex where we have our attention, rather than from the bottom up, which is our emotional, or reactive mind reactive brain which is controlled by the mind. The most common elements universal, though, to all meditation techniques is to establish a quiet location and as few distractions as possible. And what I mean by that is you're not putting your seat in the middle of a kitchen or a TV room or where there's a lot of people or, you know, some of us live by roads where it's very hard to get away from all noise, but we can, a quiet location is really one that doesn't have a lot of foot traffic. And we need to have a comfortable posture. Many report lying down and walking and other positions. I teach and we teach in our program here, the sitting posture because learning to sit and be still, that gives us a foundation for which that we can start doing our inner work. And then a focus of attention. Some people choose words. I I tell people to really use mantra, which is more of a sound that's universal And it doesn't have a significant meaning like when people say joy 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 love 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 that's not the same as really using a mantra a vibration that's associated with whatever we would like to establish within our mind field or even people have focused their attention on the sensations of breath in which we teach that also and other uh Other common elements is an open attitude, letting distractions come and go naturally without judging them. Others have an open attitude to pay attention to the sensory mind. We don't teach that in our programs because the senses, we can be using senses forever because remember, senses are employed by the mind to be active in the world. And what we wanna do is really seal our senses and focus our mind. And with that said, let's take a a closer look again. The quiet location, I said, should really be in a place that doesn't get a lot of foot traffic, even if it's a little corner in your bedroom where you're, I I wouldn't say living room because that's more of a general place for people to come. A comfortable posture, which head, neck and trunk should be aligned and hips should be higher than the knees. And we have those types of props that we teach in our master class, where you can actually establish a comfortable posture because that's key to paving the way and setting the template for you to get into that place of stillness and work with the mind. Focus the attention, and I mentioned we can do breath, or mantra, I prefer, not just any chosen word that somebody might have given to you. And an open attitude or let's say an attitude of non-attachment as things come up, they come and they go rather than creating a whole story. And many of us who practice and you out there who are practicing, you know, sometimes a thought comes up and we take that thought and before we know it, we've been telling ourselves a story and rehearsing things instead of doing our practice and focusing back on the mantra or the breath. For thousands of years, cultures have used meditation practice as a way to live with health and well being. And over the last decade, modern science has stepped into establishing its credibility, which is pretty cool and pretty great because we're able now to bring it into mainstream because it confirms the benefits through the study of the brain. Again, in Western models, we always need to have that tangible element for people to want to do things in the scientific world. So while scientific understanding of meditation is still in its infancy, research does suggest that working with meditation and the practice of mindfulness or focused awareness or focused attention uh, does change the structural structural and functional aspects of the brain. We know that they can change and it's called brain plasticity. I've had uh, podcasts on that and blogs. You can go and refer to those if you'd like more. There is evidence that focused awareness, focused attention, uh, open monitoring uh, regulation, transcendental meditation, which is more of a focused practice on mantra, result in both long-term and short-term changes in the brain, including increases in the cortical thickness of regions like the prefrontal cortex and the insula. And all forms of meditation do result in significant changes in the cortical and subcortical activity, however, different forms do elicit activation in other other parts of the brain and actually different aspects or different regions of the brain. There was a study done in 2012 where researchers compared brain images from 50 adults who meditate and 50 who don't meditate. And the results suggested that people who practice meditation for many years had what we call gyrification, more folds in the outer layer of the brain. And as I said, that process is called gyrification. And it actually may be associated with the brain's ability to increase its ability actually to process information. So that's pretty uh, interesting that we have more folds in the brain for seasoned meditators. And seasoned can be just doing it for a year consistently for five to 15 minutes per day, maybe longer. I don't know specifically, and I don't think anyone can actually say how long it takes. You know, moving beyond the specifics of the brain, we know that, you know, the brain, as I mentioned, does change with brain plasticity, and there's plenty out on the internet with that. Uh, Meditation and its practices also have been found to influence physiological variables like heart rate, respiratory rate, systolic blood pressure, and diastolic blood pressure. So in other words, if you have a blood pressure problem, this has also shown in the literature to bring... uh, Blood pressure down, and that's usually due to the shift in our nervous system's autonomic functions. Remember, there are two branches to the autonomic nervous system: the system, uh, the sympathetic branch, which is our fight and flight; it gets activated in our even our stress response, or the parasympathetic, which is when we're relaxed, we are just uh, calm, and we're able to achieve that relaxed state. Uh, relaxed state, and during meditation. What they found is we're able to shift our balance in favor of the parasympathetic branch of the nervous system. In other words, the relaxation response. And that's also been proven for people who have actually practiced more than five years. That's usually the term that they use for long-term meditators. So shifting that autonomic balance to the parasympathetic side may actually combat the ill effects of stress. So that's why we're doing resilience training and focus training to change your results of what you want. I have many clients that I'm working with that talk about stress and we, I always combine other things with uh, the stress, what's causing it, we have to root up the problem. But in the meantime, while the meditation is kicking in, there are other factors that we can do with stress. One is diet, the next is nutrition, we have supplements, we can even do some yoga therapy and see tremendous results. Now, not just for patients, but several studies have also looked at the effectiveness of meditation based practices for clinicians and have identified a range of beneficial, you know, physiological and psychological outcomes. And there are many studies that support the concept of using mindfulness based practices and meditation techniques with the health care professionals for reducing stress, anxiety, uh, professional burnout. And it also helps to enhance resilience. And many of you know, Uh, I was asked by the Department of Defense to come out and do things on resilience and I used the focused awareness practices. We know that stress, a perceived threat, remember, contributes to the development of chronic diseases. And as we meditate, that perception really can change. And chronic work-related stress is right now a very significant risk factor for cardiovascular and metabolic diseases, as well as mortality. Research has shown that work stress can increase the risk of cardiovascular disease, and that the management of stress and the sympathetic response not only affects hormonal systems, but significantly can affect the neurological, biochemical, and other influences that play the role in any kind of systemic metabolic functioning. But we really don't need research to tell us that a regular practice of stress-reducing activities like tai chi, yoga, meditation, mindfulness, have a beneficial effect on the health-related quality of life and even resilience, as well as the physiological parameters that are incurred. Again, I teach in meditation that relaxation practices appear to directly stimulate the vagus nerve. Remember, that's a parasympathetic nerve. What did I just say? That we shift to a parasympathetic uh, system. It gets more activated, more stimulated. That's fantastic. Just with breath, you can do that if you don't want to meditate. So it leads to that parasympathetic dominance and that Enhances our cardiac function, mood, energy states, as well as enhanced neuroendocrine, metabolic, cognitive, and immune responses. And there's research to show all of that. When we take a holistic approach to health, wellness, and healing, meaning keeping the physical, mental, and emotional, as well as our spiritual balance in mind, we create a foundation for health and well being because all layers of our being are reflected in the functioning of our biological systems. Remember, how we think is creating the blueprint in our body. As always, I say, do your research and see what works for you. Those that have written in and wanted more information on meditation, hopefully I covered what you asked for today. And But do your research. Try to sit down for a few minutes. See what it's like to breathe every day systematically. Take our master course and learn what it's like to really have that system in, you know, that systematic approach. Keep in mind, everyone, that if you like this podcast, I'm, I'm enjoying your questions, your comments, share it on the YouTube channel. You can go there and subscribe and share it with whoever you'd like to hear, have hear it. It will support our community. Also, coming in June, in fact, June 4th, is a new webinar series that I'm doing on food to focus, where I'll be discussing more principles of nutrition. I'll talk about nourishment, digestion, and cleansing, detoxing the mind from both a physical as well as a, a mental perspective. And I'm going to combine both Western and Eastern models of medicine. So sign up soon. And, uh, if anybody has any things they'd like me to cover, I would love to do that for you. And that brings us to the end of this episode and keep in mind the Susan Taylor podcast does come out every week and is available on susantaylor.org, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and other podcast formats. So visit susantaylor.org for more information or to contact us with any questions, comments, or feedback. And until next time, remain calm, consciously aware, living in the moment.